0: Well, welcome to our broadcast today. Let's just go ahead and pray and we'll get right into the Word of God. Uh, Heavenly Father, we lift up this program today. We lift up your Word. We thank you, Father, for the anointing that's in your Word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that abides on the inside of us, that teaches us all things. Father, bring us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, and we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 uh, in this session, and we're going to be talking about uh, the rapture of the church and also the coming of the Antichrist. Now, uh, the coming of the Antichrist is the main subject of the Apostle Paul in this second chapter. So, in his second letter to the Thessalonians, he covers... That which the church, the church at Thessalonica, now was most concerned about, and the reason being, a letter had been sent to the church. There was a teaching delivered uh, that claimed to be from the apostle Paul, that told the church that they were in the tribulation, that the day of the Lord had already come, and so the Thessalonians they wanted to find out from the apostle Paul what is going on. Well. The Apostle Paul sent this second letter to get things straightened out. Uh, Whoever sent that letter or whoever uh, taught that in the church definitely was not ordained or approved by the Apostle. So what Paul does is he, once again, he explains to the church again, uh, he corrects that erroneous letter, that false teaching, and reminds the church about that which he had told them concerning the coming of the Antichrist and the rapture of the church. So this is a very exciting chapter, and let's go ahead and get into it right now. Verse 1, Now we beseech your brethren by the coming of our Lord Jesus and by our gathering together unto him. Notice that. The coming of the Lord Jesus, parousia, means Advent. Uh, the gathering together, episunagoge. It's it's the Greek word for ga- for assembly. It's where uh, we in the in the English speaking world get the word synagogue from. Um, and so we have to understand that it's at the rapture that the Lord Jesus will come for the church. Now the second coming is to return to earth. So the first coming. First coming, the rapture, the first part of the coming of the Lord, the first coming is to gather his church. That's redemption. His second coming is for judgment. Amen. That's part of the day of the Lord. So we have to understand the distinction between the two of them. Uh, Verse 2, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us as that day of Christ is at hand, or as the day of Christ is at hand. The word day of Christ should, should have been interpreted day of the Lord. Now the day of the Lord is mentioned throughout the Old Testament. It's mentioned again in the New Testament. The day of the Lord always begins with judgment. It has nothing to do with the church. The day of the Lord begins after the rapture of the church. It begins uh, the tribulation. So we need to understand that. This day of the Lord. imera to kuriu, is means day of the Lord. Uh, and of course the King James translators translated the day of Christ is at hand. And of course, you know, we can understand the correlation between Uh, the two of them. So once again, the rapture is Jesus coming for the church and the second coming is Jesus coming with his church and with the holy angels. Verse three, let no man deceive you by any means for that day, talking about the day of the Lord, shall not come except there coming, except there come a falling away first and then after the falling away First, that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, there has been much discussion of the translation falling away, which is accurate. Apostasia, the primary definition is falling away. But that is not the only definition. There is a definition that was accepted up until uh, around the time that the King James Version was written and the primary definition was departure. Now the word departure means removal. Apostasia. Amen. Now both of these meanings are accurate, but there is a double meaning. First of all, the falling away, the apostasia is the falling away of the apostate church. This is the church that is not going to be raptured. And I'm telling you today that uh, ministers that get behind the pulpit and they begin agreeing with abortion, they begin agreeing with homosexuality and same-sex marriage, uh, they're, they're bordering and, and they're going to they're be charged with being a part of the apostate church because they are diametrically opposed to the Word of God. As a matter of fact, they have turned their back upon the Word of God. And what we have today too much of the time is we have so-called ministers that are standing behind the pulpit that are not born again. They don't know God. To them, Christianity is just a social organ, a social justice organ. And what we have behind the pulpit so much of the time is we have a bunch of social justice warriors that think that they're doing good, when in actuality, they're opposing, they're just following their father, who is the father of this world. And they are opposing everything that uh, the scriptures teach us. And so, yes, uh, this church, this apostate church, is that which is falling away. But now, the true church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church that Christ is coming for... A church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. A church that's grounded in righteousness and true holiness. Uh, A church that is looking for the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The true church is going to depart. It's going to be removed. So you could take this Greek word apostasia. And you can apply it to mean both. And I think both explanations and both definitions are accurate there is going to be a, an apostate church that will be left behind and then there's going to be the blood-bought church the true church that is going to be removed from the earth but notice this that verse 3 tells us that the day of the lord shall not come until this apostasia has taken place and the church, the true church being removed, and then Paul says this, and then that man of sin will be revealed who is the son of perdition or the son of destruction. Notice this, and and we find this out, in, in, and we can see this plainly in Revelation chapter 13, that's Paul's, I mean that's the apostle John's uh, he sees and, re- and it's revealed to him uh, the rising of the Antichrist. Amen. So verse four now, who opposes. Now, this is Paul speaking of the Antichrist. Verse four, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God, sitting in the temple of God, shows himself that he is God. So verse 4 tells us, of course, if you're premillennial like I am, this reveals to us that there is going to be a temple rebuilt during uh, this time. And I think we're very close to this period of time. As a matter of fact, I think we're very close uh, to the culmination of the end of this age. Notice, it, notice Paul says, "...who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God." In other words, he will exalt himself, pretending to be a man of religion. He is going to exalt himself above all religion. And what is called Christian, that is left in the world when he comes to power is going to be Christian only in name only. But now there are going to be those who have missed the rapture, whose eyes will have been opened, and will accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. These, this remnant, which we see this in Revelation chapter 7, around verse 19, we see this, this uh, tribulation host, uh, these are the ones that Satan through the Antichrist, is going to attempt to destroy. Well, he's going to fail. Uh, matter of fact, the, the tribulation will be Satan's downfall. He will be a complete and total failure. Uh, and you see a picture of this in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, where Isaiah, prophesying by the Spirit of God, uh, sees a picture of Satan uh, as Lucifer and his desire to ascend above the stars of God and to sit upon the throne of God, actually to uh, unseat God himself. He failed then. Uh, He's been a failure ever since then. Uh, The only thing that he's been able to succeed at is to deceive the whole world. And when we say the whole world, we're talking about the whole world after the absence of the church. But overall, he is a complete and total failure, and he will wind up in complete and total defeat. Notice again that Paul says, who opposes, talking about the Antichrist, and exalts himself above all that is called God. The pride of his heart was Satan's downfall, just like the pride of our heart is our downfall. Pride is something that God resists. He resisted it in the very beginning. He resists it now. He resists it now. He will continue to resist it. God's give, God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. So, you and I, if there's pride in our heart, and let me, let me make sure that we understand this, there is the element of pride in every one of our hearts. The only man that walked the face of this earth that did not have selfish, foolish pride was the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, in our entire Christian lifespan, this is something you and I will have to constantly deal with, will have to constantly put down, and if at all possible, to destroy. I don't think it'll be possible until actually we're raptured, but uh, pride comes because of sin. Sin is the evil development of its father, Satan, and its mother, Pride. Sin is that thing uh, that, uh, that we were born into. It's that thing that Christ has delivered us from. Amen. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. And I say glory to God for that. We are well on our way uh, to perfection. Amen. As long as we keep our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So this was Satan's downfall. It will also be the Antichrist' downfall. I want you to notice the similarity of spirit between the Antichrist and between Satan himself. That is a corruption of the nature that we have, which is the nature of God. All born-again people have the nature of Christ on the inside of them. Amen, praise God. Well, the Antichrist has the nature of Satan on the inside of him. He is a possessed human being. I'm talking about a human being that is completely and fully possessed of the devil. Uh, notice again what Paul says. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he as God, sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And I want to make another a note here. That he is the or a God. Or we could emphasize that by saying God of this world. He's taking a the fit. He is the physical manifestation of the spiritual God of this world. Verse five. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth that He might be revealed in His time. Now listen to the Living Bible, and you know what is keeping Him. From being here already, for he can come only when his time is ready. See, this proves to me that Satan does not have unlimited power. He's not omnipotent. Only God is omnipotent. And this proves here that Satan just can't do anything he wants to do. He is being restrained. He has boundaries, and he'll work within those boundaries But he cannot cross over those boundaries because the restrainer will not allow him. And that restrainer is the Holy Ghost. Remember what Paul said to the Corinthian church. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common with man. But God is faithful, not willing for you to be tempted above that which you are able. But will with the temptation... Always make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. See, Satan can tempt us. That is within his boundary, but his boundary is limited. He can't tempt us above the boundary. God allows that, but only to a certain point. Remember Job. Job uh, Satan was allowed to destroy everything that Job had, but he could not take his life. He could not take Job's life. Amen. There's always boundaries upon uh, the evil one. And boundaries upon evil now, if you and I will pray. If you and I will stand in the gap. If we'll stand up against the powers of darkness. Amen. They will not be able to do all that they want to do. Verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth. We could say... We could change that to a more modern word. Only he who, who now hinders will hinder until he be taken out of the way. Well, who is it that's going to be taken out of the way? Well, first of all, it's going to be the church. And the Holy Spirit is the power, is the covering is that governor over the church. Now, we're talking about the true true church. We're talking about the blood-bought church, not the apostate church. They left God a long time ago, and they will leave Him. Amen. They don't know anything about God. They don't know anything about the Lord Jesus. Amen. We're talking about the true church. Let's read this verse 7 again. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now hinders will hinder or continue to hinder... Until he be taken out of the way. He is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And when he's taken out of the way, it's because the church will already have been raptured. Now, let me, let me say something. The Holy Spirit is not going to be taken completely out of the world. This phase of the ministry of the dispensation of the Holy Spirit will have been fulfilled. Just like you have different phases of your life, you had the high school phase, and then you had the college phase, and then you had the the, the marriage phase, and and you may be uh, like like me, you know, you're facing retirement phase and and uh, the, your your elderly years phase. Well, the Holy Spirit has different phases. The Holy Spirit was alive in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit was was that that power that dove that came upon the Lord Jesus Christ uh, the holy spirit uh, that phase changed when Jesus when Jesus ascended in the heaven uh, the holy spirit didn't leave the earth the holy spirit was here came came upon the church well now the whole, the church is going to be taken away at the rapture and the holy spirit his the, the phase of the holy spirit in in the whole encompassing plan of God is going to change the Holy Spirit is still going to be here because there's going to be people born again or rather not born again there's going to be people saved in the tribulation amen hallelujah well the Holy Spirit is the one that does that but notice it says here for the mystery of iniquity does already work in other words it's already in the world Only he, the Holy Spirit, who now hinders, will continue to hinder. And it's the Holy Spirit that is presently at work all the way up through the rapture of the church that is empowering the church. And he is that power that's restraining the evil from doing what it wants to do. Amen. It's always the Holy Spirit that works within the church to restrain evil. Now, evil has always been in the world from the time of the fall of Adam. But evil has been is being checked and will continue to be checked and restrained as long as the church is here on the earth. Now, it's only for a short period of time that Satan is going to be able to do whatever he wants to do. And that will be in the last half of the tribulation. Notice the last part of verse 7. Until he be taken out of the way. When the church is raptured, the Holy Spirit will give way also. But that doesn't mean he, the Holy Spirit is not going to be in the earth during the tribulation. Verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Epiphane, The brilliance. Amen. The living Bible says... By his presence, the uh, today's English version says, with his dazzling presence, the New American Standard says, by the appearance of his coming. Oh, I tell you, what a glorious, glorious day. Notice this, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. Revelation chapter 19, John sees a sharp two-edged sword coming out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ And he calls this sword the word of God. It's the word that's going to destroy and consume the Antichrist and the false prophet along with all of his armies. Amen. Some of them will have formerly called themselves the church. Amen. They may have a collar on. They they may have some type of uniform on. But it won't be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonder. Now the word power there is dunamis. It's talking about physical power. You know, when you see electricity, when you see a transformer blow, when you see all of the sparks, or you see a, a live wire and all of the sparks, see that's this. that's physical power. Amen. That's being delivered uh, from the power plant. Well, see, that's what Satan is going to use. That's what the Antichrist is going to use to deceive this world. And, of course, science, he's going to do it with power and science. And what's going to happen is that the entire governments, all the governments of the world, the political factors, the academic factors, the military factors, all of this is going to be affected. Amen. And that's why John says in Revelation chapter 13, and the whole world wondered after the beach. Verse 10. With all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Because men reject the gospel out of hand, they leave themselves open to the deceitfulness and the deception of the evil one. Verse 11. Now notice this. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Just like in the Old Testament, when God hardened Pharaoh's heart because of his rejection of the gospel, because of his rejection of the call of Moses to repent and to let God's people go, God is going to send these people that are left on the earth a strong delusion so that they can believe the lie of the devil. Verse 12, that they might all be damned Oh, I tell you, that causes me to tremble. Just to think, brother and sister, you and I could have been in this position. We could have rejected the gospel out of hand. We could have turned our back on Jesus and we could have embraced the powers of this world, the God of this world. If it wasn't for the grace and the mercy of God. This is the reason why we are escaping the wrath that is to come because we have embraced Christ. We have repented of sin. We've surrendered our heart to him. We've gotten on our knees. We acclaim him and accept him and confess him as Lord Jesus, Lord over our life. We have received mercy and grace because of him, our faith in him. Now, I want to show you something. The word, now in, in the book of Revelation, the word repent occurs six times. Every time it occurs, it occurs in chapters 2 and chapter 3 where Jesus Christ is talking to his church. The number six now in biblical numerology is the number of man. And what that tells me is this, that to repent is what we do. God calls us to it and we do it. Now, the word repented occurs five times in the book of Revelation. All five times it refers to people that repented not of their sins. This is why God sends them strong delusion, strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they might be damned. They rejected the truth and there's only one recourse. After a person does that. All right. Now, verse 13, let's read through uh, the end of this chapter. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Aren't you glad you're a chosen one? Yes, amen, glory be to God. Verse 14, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, praise God. God has called you, amen. And he called you, you answered the call and you became the chosen in Christ Jesus. Glory be to God. Verse 15, therefore brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Amen. We are to stand upon the word of God, and we are to hold to the traditions that we have been taught. You've been taught the truth. You and I are have been taught the truth. That's what we're responsible for. Now we're supposed to stand upon that word and not go back. Verse 16. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God even our Father which hath loved us And have given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Notice that good hope through grace comforts your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Hallelujah. What a way to end the chapter with such encouraging words, such edifying words. Brother and sister, amen. If you know Jesus as your Savior and you're walking in the truth, you have nothing to fear of the future because when the rapture comes, you're going to go and to be in the presence of God, amen. The tribulation will begin down here on earth, but you're going to be watching it from the grandstands, getting yourself ready for the end of the tribulation when we... Amen, along with the Lord Jesus, come back to take possession of this church so that Jesus will rule this world for a thousand years in righteousness and pure and true holiness. And you and I are going to be right there with Him. And I say, glory be to God for that. Father, I thank you for such an encouraging word today. Bless the hearts of your people. And all within the sound of my voice, we give you praise and honor and glory for it now. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly.